0: coach
1: in my opinion that sucks we got our ass kicked Damn!
2: all right what's happening everybody this is the philly experience podcast and it's great to be back with everybody today as always i'm max gretzola joined by tire hood and sander go martin Guys, uh, it's great to be here today, back, and I gotta tell you, with everything going on in the country, regards to to the election and everything, it's great to be back talking some sports. So, a lot to dive into. We want to talk some Eagles, even though their bye weeks approaching, still a lot to get to. Nothing goes down to the trade deadline. We'll dive into our opinions on that. Possibly thinking about selling, possibly thinking about buying, nothing really went down. So, we'll give our opinions again. I also want to touch on the Sixers and their signing of Daryl Morty, uh, has a Big time contract. I'm talking like over 10 million per year. I hate. He's going to try to come into this organization and fix some problems. Hopefully, uh, bring a championship here sooner rather than later. And also touch on the rumors regards to Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons on the block. We've been through this multiple times, but this time it's not just to get them off our team. It's to bring in another superstar, James Harden and Devin Booker. Their names have been floated out there in the media. I want winners. That and also the season's going to start up pretty quickly. I know we just ended the season. Uh, in, in the bubble with and LeBron raises another banner when, when the season kicks off on December 22nd, just announced last night. So again, approaching us quickly, the draft will be November 18th. Free agency is going to start shortly after that. So T let's dive into it. Tanner, let's dive into it. Uh, I want to touch on just Howie Roseman. I know the Cowboys and, and the Giants previous games, we've played sloppy. It hasn't looked great, but again, sitting in first place, we think is is Ertz going to get traded? No, he gets hurt. Is Deshaun going to tr- get traded? No, he gets hurt. And Howie pretty much just hangs tight. And I'm assuming can, because of the fact that we're in first place, he didn't want to go out there and make a drastic change. So, what's your guys' opinion on the, on the fact that we didn't make a trade? Would you like to see a small move? Would you have liked to see him maybe try to shed some cap space for next season? What do you guys think? Um,
1: as much as I've I, as much as I would have liked him to shed this cap space and as much I would have loved for him to make some sort of a move, which is what the hope was he couldn't make a move due to the simple fact that the guys that, you know, you would think you would want to sell the Alshon Jeffrey, Sean Jackson, Zach Gertz, those guys that holds those big contracts can't move them because they're injured. You could have moved Zach Gertz, but you didn't. You had plenty of opportunity to move Zach Ertz, but you didn't. All right. Deshaun Jackson was injured for the most part of the year. So you can't move him. Ashaun Jeffrey is still injured, so you couldn't move him. The one guy that you could have moved was Zach Ertz, and you failed to move him. You stayed pat. Alright, you let him play throughout the weeks, and now he's out. And you couldn't trade him. So you couldn't you couldn't bring anything in and you couldn't sell anything. You can't bring anything in because you have nothing to sell. So that's usually how that goes. So as frustrated as as I am at Howie Roseman, as to the construction of this roster, it doesn't surprise me that he really wasn't able to make any moves due to the simple fact that, you know, you can't really trade anybody. Who are we going to trade? Travis Fulgham? Can't do that.
2: Yeah, Guy's a superstar you, now. Listen, Zach Ertz was on the block, right, before he, the fa- before he got hurt. And because he got hurt, he was unable to be traded. And I was really hoping, and I said this on previous shows, that he was going to get traded. I really thought it was time to move on. And I know that we're in first place. Like, that's the big thing we have to think about. But in order to look down the road here and the fact that we have Dallas Goddard to take his spot, I know that we love to run two tight end sets. I get that. But again, if you can get a second round pick for Zach Ertz at this point in time, I definitely would have tried to do it. Tanner, how about you and your opinion on the fact that the birds did not
0: make a trade at this deadline? Max, uh, this comes as no surprise to me. On the bird's nest, I told you that Howie Roseman was going to use this as an excuse. This team's in first place in the division, and they're not going to make a lot of moves. They're just going to prolong the problems and everything that needs to be fixed until next season where we're in the same exact situation, and they're wondering how we got there. It's just it's, it's classic Eagles. Um, since the Super Bowl, it, it's gone downhill. Um, it's Yeah, n- no surprise.
2: Yeah. uh, For me personally, I have to agree with you. Uh, It is kind of no surprise. Uh, I guess I'm kind of in between here because on one hand, I don't think it's a surprise because of the fact we're in first place. But on the other hand, I wanted to think big picture and kind of down the road, especially in this GM's position here where we need high picks. We know we need depth on this team. And I, I think one thing for me, I wanted to see a move made on the offensive line. I would have loved to, even, even if it wasn't uh, a trade, it, it could have still been a signing. And, that can still go down in the future, but because we're so weak on the offensive line, and T, you can attest to this, the fact that we have rotational pieces up front protecting our quarterback, yet everybody in Philadelphia wants to go and you know, undermine the fact that Carson Wentz, I mean, the guy's trying his hardest. I mean, I know that there's people on the Wentz wagon, there's people off the Wentz wagon at this point, but the fact that we don't have What's any he protection for? for him, I mean, Jason Peters is going to try to step in here again He's back at left tackle. I don't understand why he's back at left tackle. I thought Maialata was doing well. Now all of a sudden, Maialata has likes. a shaky game. He has a shaky game against the Cowboys, right? He, he has to move over to right tackle. Doesn't look as comfortable over there. And we saw some highlights uh, this past week of him getting beat pretty badly over there by Dexter Lawrence.
1: And see, man, that's the thing, man. Like like you said, Jordan Maialata was so – was good. he was doing pretty good at the left tackle position. You know, he was really – he was doing an outstanding job. All right and then, then with Jason Peters returning, they're going to push him to the right tackle, which is a position that you know he he didn't play. And I guess, I guess I'm going to guess that he didn't play it and practice it in training camp. But during the course of the season, he played left tackle and he got comfortable at it. So that's what he did in practice. So that's why he looked comfortable doing it. So I'm going to assume with the struggles that he had against Dexter Lawrence, all right, at that right tackle position, I'm going to assume that he didn't practice that right tackle position. All right, now getting back into it. I agree with you with Jason Peters. Just, listen, at this point, man, just I, I do. I and mean, Listen, this week's Gridiron Films episode, I highlighted him a couple times because he he showed he showed flashes of the old Jason Peters. But at this point, it's time to let Jason Peters go. All okay? right. No more bringing Jason Peters back, guys. No more. I, I'm yeah. done with that.
2: All right. What about what if you put him in a different
0: Ten. role? What if you put him in a rotational role? And go ahead. Go ahead, Tanner you got it uh, i'm just saying t now would be a perfect time to play that sound bite of what's he here for because really that's, that's <laughs> every time i see jason peters on the field that is exactly what i think and then what's he here for of course he goes down with an injury um in the in the dallas cowboys game and honestly i did not see any impact jason peters had on the game on the offensive line i don't know t uh we'll see in the gridiron films uh what you go about talking about him and but that's exactly how i feel what's he here for
1: like and yeah. I agree, and I agree with you, Tanner. I completely agree with you. Um, in terms of development of young players, I agree with you. Because he's stopping his 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 presence, him being healthy is stopping the development of players such as Jordan Mylotta. We're not gonna know what we have if we continue to move players based on the fact that older players keep coming back. So that's the thing with me and Jason Peters. I love him. I do. As I've said before, he is my he is my favorite uh, current Philadelphia Eagles guy.
2: Still is. How would you put him at a different position? Would you Would you rather hit, see him maybe at that right guard or left guard position? Where I'd he, rather where see he him trained.
1: I'd rather see him on the bench, helping the young well, guys
2: out. Here's the thing. I think we are all in agreement with that. But I know this coaching staff's not going to put him on the bench permanently. Permanently, permanently might I add but I would like to see him in a different role. I think my lot has to go back over there to that left tackle position because of the fact that look our schedule at the giants at the Browns. And then listen, the Seahawks, the Packers, the saints, the Cardinals, those teams are powerhouses. Mm -hmm. I don't, I just don't see how we win uh, out of division game. Do you guys see us winning any other game besides the teams we have remaining? And then let me say this, the Cowboys, the Washington football team, the Giants. So we have three divisional opponents left. Do you see us getting a W outside of the division? Honestly, the only
1: chance we have at a win is against the Browns, and that's only because Baker Mayfield can on occasion throw up ducks, but the thing is this defense hardly ever gets any turnovers, so you can't necessarily bank on that. So just to answer your question, it's hard for me to say yes. It's hard for me to pinpoint any game throughout the rest of this season that we can potentially win because of the simple fact that, man, look, we can't get these units to play together for one damn game. One game, the offense will play good. The other game, the defense sucks. Against the Cowboys, the offense was completely inept. Yeah. All right. Carson Wentz had his worst game of the year, but the defense showed up tremendously. And then special teams forgot how to play special teams at the end of the game. But we're not going to talk about that right now. It's so, this team is so weird. And it's been frustrating to watch at times during the course of this season. It truly has.
0: Yeah, T. I completely agree with you about the Browns. Uh, and it, it won't be because the Eagles beat the Browns. It'll be because the Browns beat the Browns. Yes. And th- that's that's a shame that we got to look at it like that. But that's the only game down the schedule, as Max mentioned. After that, you got the Seahawks, the Packers, the Saints, Cardinals. Um, that's just those are just brutal games that we're gonna have to um, sit down and watch, and hold back tears as we watch this team just fall apart again. So we know but it's hard. Still gonna be they're still going to be ahead in the NFC and they're going to be hosting a playoff game at the link. If, you know, if this, if this lead holds on in the division and that's just going to be up to watch, possibly seeing maybe the Chicago Bears and Nick Foles come. I, I don't know the scenarios right now, but this team is just not a playoff team. And the fact that now uh, given if this goes through, they're allowing more teams into the playoffs due to cancellations of uh, games because of COVID. And that's just giving other teams free passes. And it, it's this is just a rough team. And I really do wish that they made more moves um, during before the trade deadline. And right. now we go to an offseason looking far ahead after um, we're eliminated from the playoffs. It's just there's a lot of different positions that this team needs to improve at and for us to now do it all at once after the season is is completed is just unrealistic because we we know our love with the the draft uh there there's not going to be honestly i don't even know if there's a player in the draft that would really help us in the first round i think we should have done something with our first round pick to improve the team now we're doing it in segments instead of all at once at the end of this at the end of the season
1: to counter your argument, Tanner, and I hear what you're saying, you're saying that, you know, we should have done something to help his team out, bring in more younger players, and I, I completely agree with you. However, from this standpoint of view, here's the thing that hampers you the most. You can't bring in players because you can't get rid of the players that's holding up your cap. That's the big thing, and that's the, re- and that's the thing that's that's holding this team back. All right, the Philadelphia Eagles organization as a whole – has become an organization like the Philadelphia Phillies, as we've discussed before. And that is an organization that holds on to players for way too long before sentimental value. All right. It's a business at the end of the day. Do I love these players? Absolutely. But guess what? If you're not performing up to the standards that I need you to perform up to, if you're not doing the things that you're supposed to do, if you're costing me and the amount of money that I pay you doesn't equal out to the production that I'm seeing on the field. I have to get rid of you, and that's as simple as that. There is no no special connections with special players. You have you have your core players. You have your foundational players. Typically, that's your quarterback. That's one or two offensive linemen. A deep a, um, a defensive player, two, three here there, and that's it. Those are your foundation players. Everybody else is in rotation. All right. Right. Look, man. It, We've held on to players for too long due to the simple fact that we won the Super Bowl back in 2017, and we've got to stop that. I'm done with that. Yes. I'm done with that. No more holding on to players.
2: Let me make two points here, real quick. First of all, I gotta apologize to Brandon Graham. I
0: told him that he didn't deserve that contract, but he sure yeah. is li- living up to it. We uh, both so we both got to
1: take me. the L on that one, man. Brandon Graham is playing He's, out of his mind this year.
0: Brandon Graham, the only player in the NFL with seven sacks and ten tackles for a loss, is an outrage. How's He's that for uh, how's that for putting it back in your face, Max? <laughs> yeah, it hurts.
2: But again, that's a lot of money. It's still a lot of money. I don't. I, I would have tried to re- rework it uh, for a little bit uh, cheaper, but uh, that's just me. He's definitely he definitely deserves it. Uh, he's been pretty consistent all season long. Definitely got to give him credit. Right. Oh,
0: T T talks about players that we're hanging on you to, and ass. I know this is for for money reasons too. But how Sean Jeffrey? Come on. Every week, it's uh, honestly I'm starting to think that these injuries are just made up um, at this point, <laughs> and I've been thinking that for the past couple weeks. He just doesn't want to play for this team. Right. Um. In the in the beginning of the season, we were like, okay, maybe they put that drama aside. And um, he's gonna he's gonna show other teams that he can still play in the NFL. But right now he's just sitting there collecting money. What the uh, hell is going on? It, it would be hard to um obviously to to part ways with him and and the contract that he has and everything like that. But that's just one player who is on this team, and they're just holding on to him.
2: Yeah, it's unfortunate. I really wish that uh, we can get out of the situation, but we're honestly pretty handcuffed. Uh, with regards to Alshon Jeffrey, I will want to mention this real fast. The Washington football team, uh, arguably our biggest obstacle in regards to winning this division. Uh, they play the Giants, the Lions, the Bengals, the Cowboys, the Steelers, Niners, Seahawks, Panthers, and then us again. So let me, let me, let me just go and say this. They have a tough three game stretch, right? They got to play the Steelers who are probably the best team in the NFL as of right now. The, the 49ers, they got crushed by Green Bay this past Thursday night. Yep. Uh, that was a pretty bad loss. Nick Mullins is in there at, at at the starting quarterback position for them. They lost George Kittle. Garoppolo's out. They lost Raheem Mostert. I mean, they got injuries all over that team. So that's a possible upset win. And the Seahawks are obviously probably one of the best teams in the NFCs, if not the best. But overall, I mean, the Panthers, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Bengals Alliance, they have some easy games do you see a path at all for the Washington football team to be the 2020 uh, division champions here in the East?
1: It is possible because of the simple fact that, look, if you guys remember week one, they beat us. All right, we were up 17-0. This is when Carson Wentz had all of his weapons, all of his pieces. Everybody was healthy for the most part. And we got beat by the Washington football team. I do see a scenario where they can beat us in the division. Honestly, but to be honest with you, like, like we've said it before, this division is sorry. Nobody in this division deserves to go to the playoffs, and I'm sorry for everybody that has to watch this disgrace of a division. I truly am. All right. Usually in the past we were better than this. All right, but this division is trash. So it really doesn't matter who comes out. I'm a ra- honestly though, I would rather us not make the playoffs and just put me out of my misery.
2: Tanner, for you.
0: Well, well, T. That's not the Philadelphia style. Um, you know, we go <laughs> yeah, to the no. playoffs and we, we upset you there. But um, honestly, I think this t- I do see the the Washington football team uh, ending in first place. Uh, they're they're an underrated team. Um, well, at least they were. But what? you know, they it, when they got Chase Young, I knew it was going to be trouble for uh, when we faced them, dealing with that defensive line, and it, I see them. I see them only losing. You mentioned the stretch of games that they have. That's two losses. I see them losing to the Panthers and the Steelers. Um, there's the two games that stand out. Panthers to me. will be you said close the Seahawks, up. too. Right. The Seahawks, too, they play too. I see them actually losing to them as well. The Seahawks are a great team. And uh, Russell Wilson, um, I, I've said it before, I see him as MVP, although Aaron Rodgers is giving him a run for his money. And there's always Patrick Mahomes there. But, yeah, Washington football team, a no-name team ahead of this NFC East at the end of the season, that's not out of reach. Yeah, uh, I have to agree with that. I think just because of their schedule and how easy it is, uh,
2: Washington could put up a fight, and I want to bring up a couple of injury updates here. Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz, it's possible they can come back after the bye week. I think Zach Ertz either has one more week left on IR or maybe not. I don't know off the top of my head, but – we should expect to at least see Miles Sanders back on the field. Hopefully get that run game going because one thing here at CNN, i to you, he's Doug Peterson shied away from it. I don't know why. What's your take on the Eagles run game? It seems they got out to a great start against the Dallas Cowboys with that run game. And then they shied away from it and started throwing it out, throwing the ball out in the air. Uh, Wentz threw it a little out of position at times with some of his passes, a couple interceptions, four turnovers total. So you don't like to see that.
1: It's just a matter of, You know, he gives up too easy on the run. You know, not every run is going to break bank, all right? You're going to have the runs where you're only going to get two yards. You're going to get the runs where you're only going to get three yards. That's fine. But the offense is still moving. The offense is still progressing, all right? Two three-yard runs, all right, now you're at – all right, that's six yards. Now you're at a third and four, all right? That's that's easily convertible. That's just simple math right there. So I don't understand why – this offensive, of Doug Peterson in particular, because he's the play caller now since there's no offensive coordinator, so everything falls square on his shoulders, all right? I don't understand why he just completely gives up on the front. I, I just don't understand it. And, on, and to make matters worse, your quarterback is struggling every single time he has to go out there and throw the football. He's not accurately getting that ball out, putting that ball in position where he's supposed to, all right? His decision-making is questionable. He's regressed. He's openly admitted in the press conferences, that he's not changing his style. So at this point, I would take the ball out of his hands somewhat and start running that football. Try to make Jeez. it a little easier on him.
0: That's just that's exactly the reason that Carson Wentz is just he, Carson Wentz grinds my gears. We should have a segment. What what grinds our gears? Are that we <laughs> in that. But Carson Wentz, after every game, every week, says he's got to be smarter. No, duh. We know this. We watch the game that you play. We are, we're seeing more than you, you at some point because we're actually watching it happen in front of us on, on, we can see the whole field. Yep. Carson Wentz says that and then he goes to say, well, he, he's still going to launch it. If he sees a play, he's still going to try to make one and he's going to go off script. That's what really gets me. And then you go now to not just what, what he does, but then, the Eagles, they lose uh, Josh McGowan uh, practice squad yep. uh, stolen by um, by um, the Texans. Yep. And m- maybe the uh, the most inconvenient time of, of Carson Wentz's career where he loses a role model like Josh McGowan, albeit he was only there on Zoom calls with them. And I understand Josh McGowan accepting to go to the Texans because he's already in Texas and he was last year flying. Uh, over to Philadelphia to play games, but that's also something to look at. Now Carson Wentz is out a mentor, and he, he sort of just he's sort of just floating around. And I have him on Instagram, and I saw during during uh, it was maybe two days ago he's out with his dogs training his dogs, and I can see both sides to either not liking to see Carson Wentz doing something other than football. Um, I think that he, he does need to be on the field practicing with his teammates. I do see the side where maybe taking time off of football to clear your mind helps too, but it's just Carson Wentz. I want to be a fan of Carson Wentz. I've been on the on the Wentz wagon, but he's making it so hard. He's making the road so bumpy that I just want to jump off.
1: I totally 110% agree with you, Tanner. As a person who is on record on this show as consistently Defended Carson Wentz. I can no longer do it. There are some things you just can't do as a quarterback, all right? The holding on to the football for too damn long, that's got to stop, all right? That's rookie quarterback stuff that he's doing, all right? The having to make a play in the back of your mind, listen, sometimes you just got to live to see another down. Throw the damn ball away if you don't see anything, all right? One interception, he threw to a double team, deep. The other interception— which was towards John Hightower. If he would have aimed that ball to the right, the right receiver could have ran up under it a whole lot better. Instead, he threw it straight to him, which allowed the cornerback to make a play as well. It's little decisions like that that just infuriates me about him and his unwillingness to change. As a matter of fact, I'm glad you brought up all this because this gives me a Gridiron Films episode possibly that I can look into. I want to do a straight-up throwing – mechanics comparison of Carson Wentz and I did it a little bit today all right I looked back at the 2017 season and the way he was throwing the football the mechanics perfect stepping into his throws looking defenders off everything that you want to see out of a quarterback he was doing that in that 2017 year now he's not doing that same stuff and I need people to understand and see that I look I understand people still want to you know be on the wince wagon and still want to continue to support their quarterback. But you got to come to the realization, you got to stop making excuses for Carson. All right, he's had he had plenty of times in this game to throw the football elsewhere. He had plenty of time in that pocket on some plays. Throw the football away. Stop fumbling yeah. the football. Put two I hands agree. on the ball. Watch where you're thing, throwing.
2: One thing to mention here is last year and previous seasons, after that great year he had in 2017, he didn't have talent around him. And again, that's another excuse where people are using this season. But the fact of the matter is other problems like holding on the ball too long and throwing some you know, wild passes that are going to get picked off easily. Those are mistakes he was able to limit a little bit more in previous seasons. Now we see that total of interceptions skyrocket. Uh, I think he's already thrown three or four more than he did all of last season. So that's the, the eye opener for me is seven interceptions 2 years ago seven interceptions last year now he's up to 10 11 this season already yeah uh so yep. that's he a for? problem that he's got to clean up and i think that's one of the one of the stats that's a uh, real key when evaluating his season overall so far
0: mind you the first uh, the four turnovers that he had was in the first 33 minutes of the game he had two fumbles two interceptions and it, oh, it goes no. back to what we say about holding on to the ball so long i don't know the exact second count that he was back there and find an open play or anything and then he got absolutely crushed and fumbled the ball he was there for a while he should have thrown the ball away like seven seconds before getting Mm sacked.
1: I broke that I broke that down in gridiron films too I didn't count exactly how many seconds he held onto that football but I didn't make any changes to that clip I let it play out and it was incredible he had to get to at least 10 seconds before he finally got hit and, that, and I'm not joking around when I say that. Like, it's absolutely asinine that he continues to make the same mistakes over and over again. Is there nobody in this coaching staff that's correcting him or correcting this?
2: Well, see, I want to say this real fast here before we move on, and that is the fact that Marcus Epps has tested positive for the coronavirus, the first player for the Eagles to, to test positive for that you know, it's going to impact the league, right? I mean, this isn't just the Eagles. We saw a lot of San Francisco 49ers players test positive uh, recently. Uh, The Green Bay Packers running back group, Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon test positive for the virus as well, or at least Jamal Williams in close contact with A.J. Dillon. So my question, because of the fact that Tanner brought up a good point in this bye week, you know, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to get away with our families and, kind of just spend the bi-week relaxing and getting our minds away from football, or are we going to get back to the grind and try to make this season something out of what's been pretty dismal performances so far. So my overall question is, are you nervous that going away, maybe you go flying on a plane to a state you haven't been to in a while, is that going to influ- affect how the rest of the season goes with regards to the virus? Maybe people come back. Could, they've been around in different States flying across the country. They all come back into the same Meeting group next week, and you know everybody's in close contact. Are you are you going to be worried at all?
1: Mm, that's a good question. Um, it, it it does raise an eyebrow for concern, concerning the fact that yes, most likely players will be traveling back to their hometowns um, if they're not staying here um, in Philadelphia. It it does raise a concern. However, given the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles have are one of the few teams that have done a really good job. Of, um, of tracking their players, of, you know, staying on, staying on top of them in terms of their health. I know the NFL has a protocol where they check their players every day for um, the virus. So, like I said, the Philadelphia Eagles are one of those teams where there's been very minimal exposure, if any at all. I think, like you said, Marcus Epps is the first person. Mm-hmm. So, while it does concern me that they're going on a bye week where now that, you know, the virus is starting to spread now in the NFL – um, however, I do still have a little bit of confidence, just a little bit that, you know, hopefully that the players will be responsible enough to be careful where they go. That's just my personal opinion on it.
0: I agree. Tanner, for you? Yeah, I don't see this. I don't see the league finishing out the entire The entire season only because just today you find out the Dolphins, uh, COVID, Falcons, COVID, the Bengals, and it it just is a domino effect. And that's just, it's the reality of this pandemic. You're, you're, no one's, unless you're living in a bubble, all right, you're, you're playing, they're already playing with uh, other guys, they're tackling, they're, they're real close. You know, this is going to happen. And I watched that, that, um, domination of the 49ers last night where the, where the Packers just ran all over uh, De- Devonte Adams. Uh, he, he claimed he's the best wide receiver in the league. You can't argue that right now, but so you, you see the guys on the sidelines and the Packers players they're they have masks. They're on their chin. All right. All right. They, they, they're not doing anything. You just gotta, you gotta put the mask on when you're on the sideline. I know people don't like wearing it because they're outside and you can't understand what they're saying. But I think just the, just easy things like that will help stop the spread of COVID. Yeah. Uh, this is you're going and I'm starting to sound like Doctor Fauci, but this is this is this is common stuff that, that everyone needs to do if they want to keep playing football, if if they want to get get paid, if they want to go see the playoffs, if they want to get to the Super Bowl. Stuff like this needs to happen, and right now it's coaches being fined, teams like the Raiders getting their sixth round pick stripped away. Yeah. And they're they're using disciplinary plenary actions, uh, but it, it's still going to spread to me. I, I don't know if this is, this I don't think this NFL season is going to finish. Yeah.
2: Well, it remains to be seen what happens down the road with this. I know it's great to mention there $500,000 fine for the Raider organization and $150,000 fine for John Gruden himself for continuously not wearing his mask consistently on the sidelines, which is pretty shocking. Uh, we'll all be watching this weekend when the Pittsburgh Steelers take on the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants take on the Washington football team to see if either of those teams can inch closer towards the Eagles 3-4-1 division leading record right now. So let's move on here and touch on the Sixers. You know, obviously they hired Daryl Morey as the uh, president of basketball operations. He is now a tier ahead of Elton Brand, who was extended by the Philadelphia 76 organization. For me, surprising but now Darryl Morey in his introductory press conference says that he, Doc Rivers, and Alton Brand will work together to bring a title to Philly. So first question, are you surprised Alton Brand's still here?
1: Nah, I'm not surprised that he's still here, only because the fact that, you know, he really only had one good year. And, you know, he, he did try his best. He tried to bring players together that he thought would work, and, you know, the reality was that it didn't. So... You know, I just think Elton Brand just needed an extra hand. That's all. He's a young he's a, a general manager, a young general manager in terms of experience. So, you know, I think with the hire of Daryl Morey, I think that this organization definitely made a smart move, a hell of a move to advance this uh, franchisement further. Finally, you know, probably can get out of the, the second or third round and finally go to the stinking finals, possibly. That would be nice. Know, with uh, – with this smart upper, upper management that we have now, hopefully that, you know, hopefully that can come to fruition.
0: Go ahead, Tanner. Um, I I think I wasn't surprised that, that Elton Brand is here. I was surprised that he was extended for four years, right? Yeah. Surprised yeah. in the extension. Uh, but, I, but I do like with Daryl Morey here, that he's going to, since he, he's above Elton Brand now, um, he, he's going to be able to correct Elton Brand's sort of decision making. He's going to he's going to have input and he's going to say why 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 do that why why make that- yeah! Daryl Morey is successful in what he does, and I know that's just going to bring us into the conversation of who Daryl Morey is going to bring in to the Sixers team to help them, as T said, to finally get past and make it to the finals.
2: Yeah, listen, with reg- with regard to Elton Brand, I, I think I have to disagree with with you guys just a little bit and uh, because of the fact that elton brand brought in tobias harris in a trade right He can't he came in through a trade and then re-signed with that big contract he brings in al horford signs into that mega contract that's two humongous mistakes that you just cannot make contract wise i know there there are players that can still fall out in this league and play well with depending on the coach depending on the team So when you bring in a guy like Daryl Morey, who's really analytically, you know, from from an analytical standpoint, driven, right? He's kind of the godfather of that. And just because Alton Brand dug such a deep hole, I really thought they were just going to give the keys to Daryl Morey and let him ride this out. I'm kind of surprised Alton Brand's still here. Now, Daryl Morey is pretty good at, you know, making successful basketball teams. We've seen that with Houston over the past 10 15 years you know with guys like Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming all the way up through now what it is Russell Westbrook and James Harden so that's going to bring me up to this next topic here and there's been rumors going around with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons both of them have been mentioned in a trade to bring James Harden to Philly and possibly even sending either one of them to Phoenix for Devin Man, that's Booker Chris. would either of you guys entertain that and do you have a preference on which superstar you rather have James Harden or Devin Booker
1: Give me Devin Booker. Give me, give me Devin Booker only because of the fact that James Harden plays a lot of isolation ball. And I'm still thinking about the players that we have here. Let's just, I'm just thinking of a scenario to where they can't necessarily get rid of those contracts, so they have to just let them play out a little bit. So if you bring in a Devin Booker, all right, now you have a guy – you finally have the shooter, the the fearful shooter that you need for the offense. All right? You finally have that clutch shooter that you need for the offense. All right? If you need a 20-plus guy every night, that's your guy. All right? Let's say, for example, they trade away Ben Simmons in this scenario. All right? Now you have somebody that can take the pressure off of MB down there in that post. Mm-hmm. Now you can actually have him beat in the post instead of have him always on the perimeter all the time. That opens up things for Tobias Harris, who is more of an isolation player. Or who is more of the isolation player on the team. So now he can work one-on-one in that mid-range, which is his adve- which is um which is his strength. So I'm just thinking about that thinking about Devin Booker from that scenario. I would prefer to have Devin Booker over James Harden. Whereas James Harden, yes, he will be the superstar. I don't have a problem with that. Isolation ball, I don't have a problem with that either. The the one thing I do have a problem with is the fact that he can go cold. And when he's cold, like he'll just keep chucking it. It, it doesn't matter. That, bother, up that bothers me. Who are you giving up for him too? I would probably, I would lean, me personally, I would lean towards giving up Ben Simmons. However, given the fact of Daryl Morey's history and also looking at the team, the latest teams that Doc Rivers has built, I'm thinking Joel Embiid might be the one on the way out. That's just my personal, because they didn't play with big men. All right, Harold wasn't a, a traditional big man. As a matter of fact, they didn't have a big man at all down there in Houston. So, I'm thinking they're going to get away from the big men uh, mentality, and I think they're. I think Embiid is the is most likely going to be the one on the way out. Unfortunately.
2: For you, Tanner.
0: Yeah, honestly, you mentioned. I was just thinking uh, directly of James Harden, but you mentioned Booker, and I think I'd rather have Devin Booker on this team than James Harden, only because. Uh, James Harden, honestly, well, obviously he's an All Star player, eight time All Star, matter of fact. But he, how old is, how old is James Harden? James 31 Harden, thirty one years old. Yep, thirty one. Okay, and of course, age goes into it. His the clock is ticking for him to to make it to the playoffs. Uh, Eleven times he's been to the playoffs. Um, I do, I do think if the Sixers made a move for James Harden, it would be to keep James Harden to keep Ben Simmons here and have James Harden in mm-hmm. Philadelphia as well because I just don't see Joel Embiid and James Harden meshing together as much as I would see how the game plan would work with Ben Simmons and James Harden. And James Harden, the MVP in 2018, uh, leading scorer and he's a great player but as T mentioned sometimes he freezes up on the defensive side.
1: Because that guy doesn't uh, know what the hell he's doing.
0: James Harden is known for for how great James Harden is known for how great he is at the also at the free throw line, and you have Ben Simmons there who struggles at the free throw line, and then you're giving up as I mentioned Joel Embiid, who is a great big man at the line, but what the Sixers struggle with game and game that games they should have won is their lack at the free throw line. And I think if you add James Harden, that obviously helps you there. So I'm sort of torn, but I would much rather like to see Devin Booker on the Sixers. And I feel like it would be a mutual uh, – Devin Booker would want to come to Philadelphia instead of s- staying in Phoenix, where his, his career is not really going anywhere.
2: Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, I have to agree 100%. I think uh, Devin Booker would be my choice over James Harden. I think one of the key hate factors you. is – the age difference, right? Devin Booker just turning 24 and James Harden being 20, or excuse me, 31. But do you guys think that Embiid's miles on his tires and the fact that he cannot stay healthy and the fact that he's going to be 27 in March all factor into the decision to possibly keep Ben Simmons over Embiid because we know big men usually don't last too long in this league. The fact that he's going to be 27 soon, does that worry you guys? Because, listen, Ben Simmons is 24 years old, and this guy's probably top three athletic With an uh, when we're rating athleticism here, top three in the league. So just being 24 years old, if he can keep his body right, he can play for another 12, maybe 13, 14 years. Who knows? That would just be a killer uh, gut punch to trade away somebody with that much potential uh, for a guy like Harden, who could be maybe a two three or rental because his production at age 34 will yeah. probably start to decline.
1: So, um, you said the age factor would be a, a concern in the mileage I don't I, I just don't think it's that I think the reason why we would keep Ben Simmons over Joel Embiid it is because of the one thing If the, it, it's because of Ben Simmons untapped the potential and it's the one thing that Tanner continues to send me videos of and I continue to get irritated with him with <laughs> and it's the simple fact that Ben Simmons undeveloped jump shot now I fuss about it all the time about his lack of a jump shot however you know, there's going to come a time where he is eventually probably going to have a jump shot. There's no way he can go throughout the course of his career and not develop a jump shot. So when should he develop a jump shot? He will be the next LeBron James. That's
2: not an right. extreme well, thing to say. I don't know, too LeBron James. I, 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 uh.
0: Yeah, good Tanner. Um, I think if James Harden or Devin Booker they come to Philadelphia and Ben Simmons is still here. And they know obviously that Ben Simmons has not developed that three point. That'll help him get better at the three point. Not only Daryl Morey probably pushing him to improve at the three at the three shot, but Devin Booker and James Harden. They're, they're great from the three from the three shot. Devin Booker is exceptionally great, and I think that'll improve his game too. If you get James Harden on the Sixers with Joel Embiid. Then you got Joel Embiid, who is lazy at times and sort of does what he wants um, aspect of not being in the in the bubble. And I think right. that James Harden and Joel Embiid would not get along. Mm. That's a good point. Well,
2: I think overall, it's fun to, you know, the, the fun thing about this is be, we're talking about superstars in right. your trading going back and forth. So, you know, pick whatever one you want. Uh, pick your superstar, so to speak, which is awesome to talk about. Uh, but overall, I think trading Ben Simmons for James Harden may make us better in the short term but overall I just I think the guy you probably have to move on from uh, in regards to the situation if we're going to get Devin Booker or James Harden is Joel Embiid and I mentioned my reasons because of the age because of the injury history the fact that you know from game one that Embiid will not play 82 games Simmons yeah he might not be able to shoot but Overall, he just has to be respectable at some point, even if he doesn't get there to his full potential in his career from being a knockdown three-point shooter. It's just have to be a respectable shot. Even take the shot like Westbrook. We know Giannis still doesn't shoot the three that well. It doesn't shoot well from the free throw line. We've seen him airball at times,
0: but he's still a top you know, five, ten player in the league. That's true. And also, I just want to run this by you guys because it's been talked about. Chris Paul, do you think he – would be a realistic option to add to this team for a year or two to sort of play the mentor role. And he is a good off-the-bench player. Um, He showed that in the playoffs. He wasn't off the bench. But he he showed um, his relentless effort leadership for Thunder against against the Rockets. And he could be an option to add to the Sixers team at the right price.
2: Yeah, I can see it definitely. I think it all depends on who you give up. I really don't want to give up. In, in any kind of trade, Simmons or be for an aging Chris Paul, especially taking on the contract that he's going to command. But I think if you can yeah. find a way to move Tobias Harris in that trade, uh, both of them are making a ton of money. If Chris, if Chris, Chris Paul,
1: Paul if, 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 if Chris Paul agrees to come off the bench, because that's the only scenario I can see no working. Oh
2: way too. Come
1: on now. Like okay, okay. All-star. So it's either the him or is the him or Ben Simmons coming off the bench?
2: No, 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 no. no. They're, they're both nah. going to get out there and play this play together.
1: But they're both primary ball handlers.
2: Both, Paul is a not, Chris Paul can knock down three-point shots. I'm
1: not saying he can't. No, I'm definitely not denying that. I'm not saying that he can't. But Chris Paul is more of a facilitator than he is a shooter. Same thing with agree, Ben Simmons. But here's the,
2: here's, we're not we're, – we're not, we're, the, the key about this is getting rid of Tobias Harris and his contract. It's not about how great will Chris Paul be. I think that's what you have to focus on more. If you can bring in Chris Paul for a year or two of solid production to tag – Along with you know Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, you know you got a pretty good three-headed monster right there.
1: Oh no, I'm not. I'm definitely not going to deny that. Absolutely not. It's just my thing would be the simple fact that you would have two facilitators on offense on in your starting unit. Like, that would be my big thing. And like I said, unless Ben Simmons becomes a little bit more aggressive with his mm-hmm. shooting, you know that then I can see that scenario working. But for right now, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to have Chris Paul. Don't don't ever get that twisted. Like Chris Paul, I think would definitely bring out the best in these young guys, and that's exactly. Right. You know, what you would need. I always argue sometimes that, you know, to build any type of team, no matter what the league is, you gotta have a mix of young guys and old guys, you know, where the older guys, you know, they're teaching the young guys and the young guys can learn from the old guys, you know, from experience. So I'm I'm never gonna disagree with that. It's just that, you know, the way their play styles would it complement each other. That would be my thing.
2: All right. One last thing here on the sixer before we wrap everything up. I wanna ask about Doc Rivers and do you guys believe that Doc Rivers could be living off that championship he won 14 years ago uh, with the Boston Celtics. Do you think he's going to make a li- – I mean, listen, we're not really uh, – he doesn't really have that high of a bar, all right, because of the fact Brett Brown uh, was just wanted out of this town. Uh, but do you think Doc Rivers and, you know, he he had – he has not really produced a championship since then, and, you know, he didn't really do well. i not going to say he didn't do well, but he didn't reach the full potential there with the Clippers uh, over his time there he will uh, assuming yeah he's going to make a definite impact but are we stretching too far to expect all of a sudden Ben Simmons or you know this team's going to mesh all of a sudden and we're going to be a perennial all-star team or finals team for years to come because I don't I don't think I'm buying into that
1: you know if there's one person that can do it it's Doc Rivers all right you okay yes he won that championship team a while ago you won that championship a while ago. However, given that aspect, he still brought together personalities that you wouldn't think would mesh. All right, think about that championship team for a minute. You had a young Ray Jean Rondo. You had Ray Allen. You had Paul Pierce, who was already the star of the Celtics at the time. Then you bring in a Kevin Garnett. All right, that team was, that team was dominant. But you also had a whole lot of personalities on that team, and he still brought it together. It was one yes. person that can bring that, bring those type of personalities together, it's Doc Rivers. And also, look at the team that he had with the Clippers, all right? Patrick Beverly, loudmouth personality, all right? Harold personality, all right? The More one of the um the Morris twins, personality. Right. But he brought but he got the best out of them. And that's the thing. So, I think Doc Rivers can handle it, honestly.
2: Tanner, are we expecting too much of the Doc Rivers with the team that we have right now and the
0: expectations? I think we're expecting more, obviously, than uh, Brett Brown gave us. And uh, I'm excited to see what, what Doc does with this team. I think he he brings more authoritative action uh, with this team. We mentioned if, if these two stay in Philadelphia, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, are relatively young players. I know Joel, he, he's getting... He's getting old, but um, Ben Simmons is a young player um, that he seems to be on it on his own sort of pathway where he he knows what he's doing. Uh, He 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 can control himself, but Joel Embiid is a guy that needs to be controlled. He um, health wise, he he doesn't take care of himself. And I just I I like this Doc Rivers signing, and I especially Mm -hmm. like getting Daryl Morey. But also, I want to bring it back real quick to the Houston Rockets in the James Harden sort of trade because Stephen Silas, he, he is the new Rockets head coach and he really likes Westbrook. He really likes James Harden and he thinks that these two can go ahead and win a a finals. He mentions uh, obviously Covington too. And that's just something to, to, to look at and sort of, pushing that out of reality that the Rockets still think that they can work with James Harden. So that's something to look at, but yeah, I do have confidence in doc rivers and I, I hope that he, he, you know, keeps us with having confidence with him towards the, the middle of the season. And I hope the Sixers team is doing better than they have the last two seasons.
2: Yeah. agree. I think one thing you can think
0: about when I, when
2: I, at least I do big picture here is the home road splits. And I think having more of a mentor, more of a veteran coach, you know, on the road when when you're getting on that airplane and you got to go for a seven game road trip out to California, Denver, Utah, you know, places like that. You have somebody there that can kind of really settle down this group because, listen, uh, I don't know what it is, but this team could not win on the road last season. And we need to figure out that problem. I think Doc Rivers, I know it uh, might sound cliche, but that, that could be something key to at least get us to 500. Uh, play 500 basketball on the road because we know how great we play in front of that home crowd, if, and when we get the crowds back. So T, Tanner, if you don't have anything else to add, we can shut it down.
1: All right. Before we shut it down, um, two things I want to address. First off, um, I don't want to open up a whole big Phillies discussion, but I I do want to address something that Andy McPhail said in his press conference. All right. He said something along the lines of that during COVID times, it is going to be hard for the phillies to bring anybody in because nobody wants to uproot their house and leave during these times um real quick um excuse me but what all right what the are you talking about we just got Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers on the Philadelphia 76s, and you want to bring me, you want to bring up that excuse are you kidding me right now and then you're and then from what it sounds like it sounds along the lines of you're willing to let JT Realmuto go What's wrong with you? What is wrong with this Phillies organization? Yeah. Now you're going to be cheap? Now you're going to be cheap? After you paid $330 million to Bryce, Stick, and Harper, and now all of a sudden you want to be cheap with the best catcher in the in, in the MLB? Come on. This is not now, the time T, to be cheap. Would
2: you, would you be open to, if we don't resign JT, don't get me wrong, I want to, but if we don't, are you a guy that could sit here and say, okay, I know we traded away Sixto Sanchez for JT, but if we get to lockdown bullpen arms and maybe mid tier starter, does that make up for the loss? It, 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 it uh, man, that's one hundred and twenty, maybe two hundred and twenty million that you could take and spend somewhere else. That's
1: an extra bat though I'm losing, and, and that's a that's an extra presence that I'm losing as well behind that. Plate. I
2: agree. That's not a, I agree one hundred percent. But here's the thing: the problem isn't the bats. The problem is the arms. And that's if We true. win one game. We just needed one game. If the bullpen – how many games did the bullpen blow last year? We're talking about 12, 13. I mean, geez. And if we win one game, if Aaron Nola pitches well one time in September, he's got a career ERA over four in September. If he pitches well once we win and we're in the playoffs, I don't care what C we wear. A playoff berth is a playoff berth. We couldn't win a single game. That's why the pitching is so important. I know it's going to be hard to get rid of JT and let him go. Uh, But if we can upgrade this bullpen and get a closer, and we don't have to sit here on this show anymore and talk about Hector Neris – Oh. then uh, I think that's that's, it's uh, that's, that's a positive note. And uh, I think it's a good Sounds way to good to uh, me. <laughs> positive. That's music and to my ears.
1: Man, that's music to my ears. All right, I think got that off my chest. All right, and this is now this is going to go on the outside of sports because it's, it's something that has bothered me over the years. So pretty much, you know, around August, September time, stores will start putting out. You know, um, autumn stuff and things of that nature and getting <laughs> getting set up for Halloween. Now, I don't have no issue with that. That's that's perfectly fine. However, here's what I have a problem with. During the course, and I started seeing this as soon as September hit, all right, and, and they were putting the amount simultaneously along with the other stuff. Why am I already, why did I see Christmas stuff simultaneously being sold along with Halloween stuff? And it gets worse, all right, so... Halloween. And
2: they're trying to push it early. too. Yes. They're trying to push I, it early. I don't want to hear that BS.
1: All right. Look, right. <laughs> look, we just got rid of hot. We just celebrated Halloween. All right. 31st just passed. I seen this video on Instagram the other day and you had a guy in a scary mask. All right. Obviously he's dressed up for Halloween. He walks through a door and it's a stinking winter wonderland. Mariah Carey sitting in the middle of the damn picture, talking about some it's time and that damn annoying song comes on how the hell do we just skip thanksgiving
0: hey Tate, I want my you turkey. gotta give us you gotta give us something to look forward to all right this year has been a roller coaster mostly down
1: yeah and i'm okay. looking forward to my damn turkey all right it's, There's been, certain- a,
0: it's been just a full drop I yeah think- I, I understand that but but see things are different man you gotta give us we already can't go to to places safely Uh, you got to give us the opportunity to listen to christmas music in september T no the, Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas. That's the anthem from <laughs> September until until Christmas is over. T. Come on. You
2: also have to think about the fact that there might not be families at the Thanksgiving table this year, right? And except for yeah, your exactly. Family, and that's so.
1: perfectly fine. However, please let me enjoy my family and my damn turkey. All right. I got plans. All right, to fry <laughs> a couple of damn turkeys this year. Don't ruin my moment because y'all want to be selfish. That's all I'm saying. All right. Think about other people people that want to celebrate you know families coming together and whatnot and celebrating over a fried bird come on oh, now that's all, all i'm say saying wrap i am
2: i'll be singing christmas music around 10 stores please don't <laughs> He will
0: go i'll off. tell you what all i all i want for christmas is for this election to be over <laughs> I, I hear you Ooh,
1: i can't i can't argue with you on that one on that note i ain't got nothing else to say all right you guys missed any of this episode you can always go to philly dash experience.simplecast.com available on all major downloadable platforms the boys birds Nest. they have to every Eagles game myself gridiron films coming out with a good one this week and check next week's out as well
2: add the Philly experience podcast on Instagram everybody stay safe
1: all right listen stop looking at the elections y'all <laughs> all right go outside do something smell the smell the roses. All right, get a breath of fresh air, please, because you're you're just going to stress yourself out.
0: It's stupid. This is some false. I'm not going to tolerate your crap today. Oh, man, that's irritating.
2: Crap-ass Vargas.
0: You dumbass. Get the